If you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to the 23rd Psalm, a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. If not, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen. Brother Lauren will have it there for us. So in February of this year, I did a sermon series um, that was titled, I Worship, and we talked about worship in the month of March. We did a sermon series titled, I Serve, and we talked about serving in the kingdom. And then I had full intentions of after uh, Palm Sunday and Easter that I would begin a series today uh, titled, I Pray. And I'm still going to do that, but the Lord really just directed me um, this week uh, to this passage of Scripture, and um, it resonated with me so much that I shared it with um, my University of the Cumberland's uh, students that we do Bible study with on uh, Tuesday nights down there. And uh, I just shared with them what the Lord laid on my heart and... um, by the way, I love my UC college kids. I'm probably going to cry when some of them go home for the summer. But uh, when they come back, we love, we love having them here. Uh, but uh, I shared with them what the Lord laid on my heart. And then all week as I read and prayed and studied, the Lord just kept bringing me back to this. So today, I'm going to begin a series of at least two sermons, maybe three, uh, that we're going to be talking about out of this passage of Scripture. So if you will, stand with me all over the room. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, the 23rd Psalm. And the word said, the Lord is, say is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, say surely. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning. A series of messages we're simply just going to title, Walking with God. Walking with God. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, now comes the time that we need you to speak to us through your word. So God, I'm asking that you would move me out of the way. Don't let me speak my words. And Lord, don't let me speak with enticing words of men's wisdom, but let me speak your words and let them come forth today in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit. I'm asking, Lord, that for the next few moments you would remove all the hindrances that would distract us and you would anoint the ear of every hearer to hear your word and the heart of every receiver to receive your word today, God. And let us leave this place differently than we came because we've been in your presence and we've been changed by your word. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. So sheep are mentioned over 500 times in the Bible, more than any other animal mentioned in Scripture. And it's so ingrained in the mindset and the culture of the Bible that they instantly understood and comprehended the the meaning that was associated with the comparison throughout the Old Testament and then on into the New Testament about sheep. Uh, Jesus, as the Son of God, the King we talked about a couple weeks ago, the risen King, the Messiah, it's understandable to us to think about Him as the Lion. But the people of His day 
the description made sense to them when he was described as the Lamb of God. Because a lamb is what you offered up for a sacrifice, and he was offered up for the sacrifice of the atonement for our sins. But I think the problem is that we aren't as familiar with the idea of sheep and shepherds. Um, and so because of that, we struggle to be like sheep as we should be. And yet, for most of us today, this text is really familiar and it resonates with us. And most of us, if we would admit it, have heard it used at almost every single funeral service that we've attended or it's been printed on uh, the program. But I'm a little concerned that although it resonates deep within us and it's very, very familiar, I think we don't really understand it a lot of times. And therefore, we don't apply it to our daily walk with the Lord. And because of that, we find ourselves in some bad situations. Since we're talking about sheep, in some woolly situations, if you will. We simply don't embrace the idea of being a sheep like we should. Now, the truth is that this psalm really isn't as much about us as it is about the shepherd. This psalm gives us one of the most clear and thorough pictures of who we are actually following when we come into the flock, into the field, uh, or into the body of Christ. And I think in order for us to be as sheep-like as we can be, we've got to have a clear revelation of our shepherd and the role that he plays in our lives. So I want us to pay special attention to the information that we get today about the shepherd, but I also think that it's important for us to start with the sheep. Now, everybody say you. E-W-E, you. That's a sheep. I thought that was kind of cool because, and some of you may think it's corny, but it's a good way for us to look at this if we're supposed to be sheep. Because until we get a you view, we are unable to function like a sheep would. Until we can see through the eyes of a sheep uh, and from the perspective of a sheep, we're unable to function like a sheep should function. And this psalm begins with perspective. And perspective is so important because until we get that view through the eyes of a sheep, our perspective of this entire psalm is off. I want you to notice the first perspective of the author in this passage. He begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, there can be no doubt that the author absolutely sees himself as a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. His focus is rightfully on the shepherd, but he could just as easily have begun this passage by saying, I am a sheep. So simply my question to you is this morning, do you see yourself as a sheep or are you trying to be the shepherd? Pastor, why is that perspective so important? See, when sheep try to shepherd, we want. And then our want leads us to wonder. Let me say that again. When you try to shepherd, you want. And when you begin to want, then you begin to wonder. See, how many of us have seen sheep in the church, children of God, who have wandered into trouble? Who have wandered into pain? Who have wandered into brokenness? 
And when you get to the bottom of it, you uncover what was the cause of the wonder. I'm going to preach just a moment and it might get quiet. I wanted a different spouse. I wanted a different job. I wanted a different house. I wanted more than I could afford. I wanted more than I needed. I wanted out of that situation. Do you follow me? I want, I want, I want, and then I wonder. I challenge us this morning to make a commitment to ourselves to be sheep-like again. Let the Lord deal with your want, and then you won't wonder. Say amen, somebody. Now, not only do sheep need a shepherd, a shepherd needs sheep. What good is a shepherd without a flock or without a herd? See, the basic fundamental identity is that it is essential for us to embrace that of a sheep. We are the sheep, the Bible says, of his pasture, right? That's what the Bible says. We all seem to be okay when we say the Lord is our shepherd. But this must become personal. Until he becomes my shepherd, I'm not sheep-like. What do you mean, pastor? Well, how do we know if we have a you view? How do we really know if the Lord is my shepherd? We know we have the right perspective and that Jesus is Lord of our lives and He's our shepherd by what He can make us do. Hmm. Obedience is the validation of lordship. Did you hear me? Obedience is the validation of lordship. Uh, I, I shared with you several weeks ago how that, uh, you know, I lost my mother 14 years ago and she was a wonderful uh, lady and, and a wonderful mother and Christian influence in my life and, and I was actually going through something that I was just in my in myself I was all up in arms about and I heard the words of my mama to me anybody ever hear that even sometimes the rebuke anybody ever hear that I, I heard the words of my mama and you know what she said get somewhere and sit down that's what I heard her say you know what the psalmist said he makes me to lie down in green pastures he didn't say he asked me to he leads me to, he persuades me to, no. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. See, obedience, I'm going to say it again, is the validation of lordship. Not altar time and then I go out and do whatever I want to do. Hello, somebody. Not just leading worship and singing on the praise team and lifting unholy hands and then going out and doing what I want to do. Somebody help me preach this morning. Not just using the right words. No. He is my shepherd when I can say He makes me. He tells me get somewhere and sit down and I listen. Let me tell you something. There's way too many of us that Jesus can't make do anything. He can't make us serve. He can't make us use our gifts. He can't make us raise our hands. He can't make us lay down our desires. If y'all are quiet on all those, you're really going to be quiet on this one. He can't make us tithe. He can't make us go against impulses. If, say if, if He is my shepherd then his yes is my yes. His no is my no. Even when I don't like it. Mm. See, so many of us reveal that we aren't sheep-like 
Because we follow the shepherd as long as he does it the way we want it done. As long as he takes us by green pastures. But then you let the rod and the staff come out and we refuse to be shepherded. I want to tell you this morning, if we're going to be sheep-like, then you're going to have some he-made-me-do-it moments. I've heard too much, the devil made me do it. How many's heard that? We need some church folk that are saying, the Lord made me do it. I didn't want to forgive them, but the Lord made me do it. I didn't want to be nice. Anybody ever not want to be nice? Sometimes your pastor just don't want to be nice. But the Lord made me do it. I didn't want to wait. Anybody else get tired of waiting? Don't go to Cracker Barrel. I didn't want to wait, but the Lord made me do it. I didn't want to give, but he made me do it. I'm going to say it one more time. Obedience is the validation of lordship or being shepherded. So Christians are like sheep in that, did you know, sheep have to be led. They cannot be left just to wonder. They have to be led. Sheep are helpless in the face of predators. They're weak and they're defenseless. Sheep, listen at this, have trouble getting along with other sheep. That's a sermon for another day. Sheep are totally dependent for their well-being upon the shepherd. Sheep are, are you ready? Stubborn. And they have a tendency to wander away from the shepherd. When you recognize those tendencies, we can understand just how valuable what the shepherd does really is for us. When we read this psalm, all reluctance to be like sheep should be removed because it's easy to determine that we have a good, gracious, all-sufficient shepherd. Can I tell you this morning, and can I get a witness, loving Jesus is easy. Somebody say amen. Loving Jesus is easy. Let's focus on the shepherd for a few moments. I'm going to go through these quickly, and then we'll highlight each one. The shepherd, he guides, he provides, he restores, he protects, he corrects, and he connects. Now, why are we so reluctant to be like sheep when we have a shepherd that does all of these things for us? So let me say it about me so that you don't get offended. But if it applies to you, then you go ahead and apply it. Why after reading all of this in the 23rd Psalm, why after reading this list of what he does am I reluctant? Can I tell you it's because I'm just not real smart sometimes. Do you know that sheep are not the smartest animals in the kingdom. By a long shot. Sheep are not real smart sometimes. And we have the opportunity to be led by a great shepherd, yet so often we fight against and resist his leading. So I want us to take a moment and look over this list that I gave you again and see if you can grasp his greatness this morning and allow him to be the shepherd that he desires to be in your lives. First of all, and I want you to say this after me, he provides and guides. Now, I've heard it said that the will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. How many's heard that? But I think the psalmist would say it like this. The shepherd won't guide you to a place where he won't provide everything you need. He gives us his provision in two ways. First of all, green pastures. 
Now, it's apparent when we read over this so quickly that we have no real frame of reference for what a green pasture is. When we read that, we picture in our own mind, our own environment uh, that we live in here. But it's important to note that it's being written about the land that surrounds Israel. If you know anything about Israel, it's very rocky. Uh, it's, it's a, there's nothing but a bunch of rocks. It's very barren. It rains very little there between the months of May and October. Being dry is an understatement. So when the psalmist declares that our shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures, we fail to also recognize the work that was involved for him to get us there. Are you following me? See, green pastures in Israel don't just happen. They have to be cultivated. They have to be created. And that means the shepherd rolls up his sleeves and he works to provide a place of rest and nourishment for you and I. Somebody has to clear the rocks. Somebody has to plant the seed. Somebody has to uh, toil the ground. Somebody has to irrigate in order for there to be green pastures. So what's the psalmist saying about our shepherd? I'll tell you what he's saying. He's saying that he worked to get all of this ready for you. Did you hear me this morning? He worked to, to get this body of believers ready for you. He worked to get the, the worship ready. He worked to get the sermon ready. But guess what he also works for? He works to get you the right friend. Hello, somebody. The right word, the right lull, the right break, and yes, even the right trial, the right tribulation, and the right valley sometimes in your lives. He's working for it. For our good. If we're not careful, we have a tendency sometimes to overlook the handiwork of the shepherd. He's been working for our good. What does Romans 8 and 28 say? It says, Romans 8 and 28, and we know that in all things, say all. All things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So he uh, leads us to green pastures. He provides and he guides us to green pastures. Secondly, to steal waters. Now, did you know this about sheep? Sheep are afraid of moving water. You know why? Because they can't swim. He's telling us that our shepherd is conscious of our fears. Isn't that good? He's conscious of our fears. He works to provide stillness in our lives. Uh, we know that our enemy spe specializes, and we tend a lot of times to cooperate with chaos, don't we? We do. But our shepherd leads us to steal waters. In Psalm chapter 46, David said in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. If you keep on reading down in verse 10, he says, be still. Say, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. So he provides and he guides. Secondly, say this one after me. He restores. Now, Several authors who have been shepherds, not pastors, but real-life shepherds, talk about the fact that sheep have a tendency to lie down after they eat. Now, don't poke your husband. Anybody else have a tendency to lie down after you eat? This is how their food digests as a sheep. But listen, I want you to, I want you to follow this. But in so doing, if the sheep is not careful, it will turn towards a side and the weight of its wool and its body. If you've ever seen a sheep, they got these little legs sticking out of these big bodies. And the weight of its body and its wool will cause it to lose balance and turn to where its feet can't touch the ground. And when the sheep does that, 
panic ensues. And the sheep will flail. He will cry out. But he will simply end up laying there. But laying there in the sun, unable to turn back over, the sheep is vulnerable to attack from predators. Do you hear me? A downcast sheep can die quickly in a matter of a few hours because there's always a predator lurking somewhere. But a good shepherd keeps his attention on the sheep. This is good. And he watches for these downcast sheep. And when he sees them, he steps in and he turns them back over and he restores their equilibrium. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but sometimes... Things get out of balance in my life. Anybody else like that? There's been days where I feel like I can't get my footing and I can't get my feet back on the ground. But I'm so glad this morning that when I'm serving the Good Shepherd, all I got to do is cry out to Him and He shows up. He puts balance back in my life. He sets my feet on the rock and He establishes my going. My shepherd is always watching out for His sheep. Hallelujah. I got a question for you today though. What's knocked you off balance? What's tipped you over? What has you exposed and vulnerable to the predator? Never fear if that's you. The good shepherd sees you and he can restore you. Somebody say amen. Lastly, I want to talk about, and I want you to say this after me. He protects, he corrects, and he connects. He protects, he corrects, and he connects. Now, I wanted to put this picture on the screen because we're going to talk about this for a moment. The rod was a short stick that was cut from a sapling. See, we always, in the Christmas plays and everything else, we always have, the shepherds always have the staff. We don't ever talk about the rod. And I thought this was really interesting. The base of the sapling where the roots joined was carved away. And this created an automatic bulge which would become the end of this billy club uh, as we think of it. And the shepherd would round it, shape it, and smooth it. And at the end of the, uh, the other end of the sapling, he would whittle it until it perfectly fit in his hand. And when the shepherd had finished making his rod, he would practice carefully throwing it. And he would learn to throw it with incredible speed and accuracy. And it would be the main weapon of defense against wild animals. Now, Philip Keller, who had been a shepherd himself and is also an author, he wrote this. He said, I used to watch the African lads having competitions to see who could throw his rod with the greatest speed and accuracy for the greatest distance. The effectiveness of these clubs in the hands of a skilled shepherd was a thrill to watch. The rod was, in fact, an extension of the owner's own right arm. And it stood as a symbol of strength, power, and his authority in any serious situation. The rod was what he relied on to safeguard both his flock and himself in danger. Keller went on to say, furthermore, the rod was the instrument, listen, that he used to discipline and correct any wayward sheep that insisted on wandering away. I could never get over how often and with what accuracy the African herders would hurl their rods at some disobedient sheep. If the shepherd saw a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching poisonous weeds or getting too close to danger of one sort or another, the rod would go whistling 
through the air to send that wayward sheep scurrying back to the flock. Has anybody ever felt like the Lord whacked you upside the head with the rod? Can I hear an amen? Can I get a witness this morning? But you know what discipline is proof of? Love. Thank you. Discipline is proof of love. Oh, let me say that again. Discipline is proof. I heard a dad say, please. Discipline is proof of love. Oh, I could preach a whole sermon on discipline. But let me just do it from the Word of God. How's that? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. And He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Endure hardship as discipline. Did you hear your pastor this morning? In your life and in your walk with God, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Oh, I could preach a whole sermon right there. But see, let me just put it in perspective for us in, the, in our lives that we're living. This trouble that you may be going through in your life today, this situation that you may be going through in your life today, it's not punishment. Did you hear me? I said it's not punishment. It's training. And it should be the normal experience of children. Did you hear me, parents? Discipline, which is training, should be a normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves without discipline. So in your life today, you're not experiencing this uh, because, of, uh, because you're being punished. Uh, you're experiencing this because you don't have an irresponsible father. Can I hear an amen this morning? And if, you, uh, if you're not experiencing discipline, praise the Lord for it. But when you do, endure hardship as discipline. And say, God... What are you training me for? What are you teaching me for? Verse 8. If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline. Now, I assume things were different in Paul's day because everybody don't undergo discipline today. Can I hear an amen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll go on. Then you're not legitimate. Did you hear that? If you're not disciplined, you're not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline. Seems pleasant at the time. Somebody say, I know that's right. But it's painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Isn't that good? That's the Word of God. Remember, the psalmist says that he leads us to righteousness. You can't become righteous without correction. We don't often think of correction as comfort. But it's comforting to know that our shepherd loves us enough to correct us. He has our best interests at heart. The Word tells us that our hearts are evil. Did you know that? The Word tells us our hearts are evil, and without correction, we would wander into corruption. 
but his discipline is comfort. A father who loves disciplines. That's what the word says. The rod protects us from ourselves. You can put that picture back up there. And from those who would attack. See, too many of us want the comfort of the staff, but we refuse the correction of the rod. Hmm. However, to be sheep, we must be corrected and protected by the shepherd. So now let's talk about the staff real quickly. The staff is, of course, this long pole with a crook uh, at one end of it. And we're very familiar with that. We see it in every Christmas play. The staff brought the sheep to the shepherd. Now I want you to follow these things that they use the staff for. It's used to draw timid sheep back to the shepherd. Those that didn't want to come to the shepherd, he would hook them and he would bring them in. The staff brought sheep together. The shepherd could not touch the babies. Did you know this? Because the human smell would cause the mother to reject the lamb. So he would use his staff to push the wandering baby back to its mother. So even when you don't want to be in relationship with other sheep, the shepherd pushes us to be connected for our own good. The staff was also used to guide the sheep. The shepherd would take his long staff and he would place it on the side of the sheep, listen at this, and he would apply pressure with the staff that would steer the sheep out of danger and keep them on the path. The shepherd still does the same things today. You know how he does it? He does it through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and through the body of Christ. He uses his rod and his staff to correct, protect, connect, and direct us. Now listen, I'm going to close with this today. The psalmist concludes with information on the shepherd by saying he anoints. Now, you hear a lot of things about anointing. But I think that we need to understand this morning that anointing comes after time with and as a result of allowing the shepherd to shepherd us. See, too many of us want the oil of the anointing. And I told the 845 service, we're about out of oil. That's a good sign. Too many of us want the oil of the anointing without being led, without being fed, and without being restored. Are you with me? We want the oil of the anointing without being corrected, and certainly without being connected. How many do you know that are asking for the anointing but yet they have no connection to the true body of Christ. Mm. They don't want to do life with anybody. Hello. They Maybe they want to come to church. Why do you need to be anointed if all you want to do is come to church and as soon as it's over, you go out and you don't do anything else with God's children the rest of the week? Why do you need to be anointed? I'm going to get real with you. You don't have to help me. It's okay. I don't get offended easy. How many want the anointing but they don't want to talk to anybody about Jesus. How many want the anointing, but they don't want to see another sheep's needs before their own? Hello, somebody. But how many do you also see who want to be anointed, but they will not tolerate being corrected? Mm. Yeah, you ain't been a shepherd. You don't know like I know. (laughs) They want the anointing, But they won't tolerate being corrected. Well, I got news for you this morning. You can't be anointed if you refuse to be corrected. Well, nobody clapped or praised the Lord, but that's okay. You can't be anointed if you refuse to be corrected. I see a lot of folks running around claiming anointing, but they're not very sheep-like. 
the shepherd will God provide, restore, protect, comfort, correct, and connect you. He does it all. And when he does all of it, then the anointing is the result. Say amen, somebody. Now, I want to I close with this today. When David talks about the shepherd anointing our hands, or our heads, I'm sorry, with oil, he's reminding us of what the shepherd really does for his sheep. And I think this is very interesting. This is different than the anointing that David received as king. This is daily anointing. This is something that takes place every day. It's, it's known as ordinary. So there are three reasons for a sheep to receive daily anointing of oil. I wanted to put that picture on the screen. This is a horn of oil, and the shepherd is pouring oil over the sheep's head. Now, we're going to talk about some other places that he puts it also uh, on the head of the sheep. There's three reasons for a sheep to receive a daily anointing of oil. Number one, bugs. Sheep are particularly susceptible to flies landing in their noses. If you have a weak stomach, plug your ears. These flies travel up the sheep's nose and they lay eggs which hatch and turn into worms and the worms burrow into the animal's uh, forehead cavity and in and around their brain. And so when that happens, the sheep will then bang their heads against things trying to get rid of the irritation. They can actually die from this. Some of them bang their heads until they kill themselves. So every day, the shepherd pours oil on the sheep's head, and he takes the oil, and he uh, lubricates their noses so that the flies slide out of their nose instead of flying up their nose. Now, you may say, what's the significance of that, Pastor? I don't know about you, but I certainly have a lot of daily irritations that buzz around my head. Come on, somebody. Some of those things get in my head sometimes. I'm just going to be real with you. And they cause negative thoughts. They cause you to become angry. They cause you to become anxious. They cause you to become fearful. They cause you to have sinful thoughts. And if I allow those things to burrow deeply into my mind, they become a part of my life. And if they become a part of my life, they can ultimately destroy me. But I'm so thankful this morning that I have a good shepherd and he promises if I come to him every day he'll anoint my head with oil and I can come back to him as many times a day as I need it and I do and I can go to him in prayer and I can bring the shepherd all of those things that are buzzing around up in here that irritate me and that annoy me and that bother me and I can bring them to him And he anoints my head with oil. And then before you know it, those things can't enter into my mind. Isn't that good? That's the good, good shepherd. So first of all, he anoints our head with oil for bugs. Secondly, he anoints our heads with oil for clashing. As in budding heads. Did you know we're supposed to be sheep, right? Sheep will bud heads with one another. Hmm. Sometimes they'll butt heads with one another to gain position or assert authority. I'm talking about real sheep. Male sheep especially like to butt heads. But in people, I think we all do that, don't we? A shepherd, listen to this, it's so good. A shepherd, see I've been praying for the Lord to just drown some of y'all in oil. Because you know what the shepherd does? You'll know why I pray that in just a minute. 
The shepherd will anoint those heads with oil because he knows sometimes those sheep are going to clash and they're going to butt heads and he can't prevent it. So in order to keep them from injuring one another, he puts enough grease on their heads that when they clash, they just slide on by. They don't do damage. Our good shepherd knows we can't always avoid disagreements, can we? My goodness. wonder how many people... I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the worldwide church. I wonder how many people we could get saved in the worldwide church if the church could just get along. People want to fuss over what color the carpet is, whether or not you sing off the wall or out of a hymn book, whether or not the lights are dimmed or the lights are bright. What's it matter as long as Jesus is the center of attention? Our good shepherd knows we can't always avoid disagreements, but praying with and for one another is one way we can keep from harming each other when we butt heads. Thirdly, cuts. They can go ahead and come to the music. Sheep live outdoors. They live where there's barbed wire fences, thickets, thistles, rocks, sticks, and predators. It's not a kind, gentle setting. And even the greenest pastures have hazards in them. So the shepherds check their sheep each day, sometimes morning and evening, to look for wounds that need attention. That's good. And the shepherd will add oil to those wounds because the oil brings healing. Can I tell you this morning... We're living in a dangerous world ourselves. Sometimes we get wounded, don't we? Sometimes daily. One of the worst sayings, I think, from our childhood, one of the worst sayings, and you know it, you can quote it with me, sticks and stones may break my bones, but that's the biggest lie you've ever been told. Right? Words can, and they do hurt us. They cause wounds that sometimes go much deeper than the sticks or the stones. But they're wounds that the good shepherd knows how to heal. Hmm. Each one of us is wounded by all kinds of things. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus is attentive to all of our wounds. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Jesus is attentive to all of our wounds. Daily, open, honest communication with Jesus is the best way for Him to pour in that oil and heal those wounds. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. If we want to live in the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we've got to recognize the tender daily provision that our Good Shepherd offers to us as His sheep. It reminds me It reminds me that I need Him every hour of every day. And I can tell you this morning, I'm glad to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I feel Him when I say that. The Lord is my shepherd. He is 
not somebody that's just lurking in the shadows following me around. No, he's my shepherd. He's a good, good father. The Lord is my protector. The Lord is my guider. The Lord is my restorer. He brings balance back to my life. The Lord is my protector. And when I get out of line, the Lord is my corrector. And when I need the body, the Lord is my connector. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. So I want to ask everybody in this room to bow your heads all over this room. Nobody looking around this morning. And you may be sitting here and you may say, Pastor, I I can't really say that he's my shepherd. I've never surrendered to become one of his sheep. I want to tell you, you're in the right place today.